Hi, good morning, Night Vale listeners, fans, owners, and future patrons. Yes, we said it, patrons. We are launching a Patreon. So we can do cool things like bring you more fun slash weird content and have some cash to pay our editors and mixers. If you were thinking I'd love to buy those Good Morning Night Vale hosts a beer or a froyo or two semesters of tuition at mortuary school. Now you can, but instead of beers and yogurt and embalming fluid, it's cash so we can use it to keep bringing you this show. We have great perks for our patrons, like ad-free episodes and exclusive backstage tour videos and pictures, including video from our recent trip to White Castle. It was fine. Totally fine. Plus, a bonus monthly fan zone only episode, bi-monthly live fan zones, shout-outs in the credits, recipes, and food recs from the cast. I, Hal Lublin, will make scones for you on the internet. Plus, monthly weird, personalized gifts and snacks delivered by mail from the cast. I have a lot of weird Night Vale shit in my house, and for the right price, it's coming your way. And the opportunity to be a guest on Good Morning Night Vale on the future episode of your choice. And more. If you love us or even just like us, check out our Patreon and keep our love alive with your sweet, sweet cash. Go to patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. That's patreon.com. Good morning, Night Vale. We are forever in your hearts. And in your earbuds. And in your bank accounts. It's fine. We We love love you. you. Our God is an awesome God. Much better than that ridiculous God that Desert Bluffs has. Good morning, Night Vale. My name is Meg, and I'm here to say this is the first recording we did in 2019. I'm so upset you didn't rap, so I'm going to do it. My name is Hal, and I'm here to say I love Welcome to Night Vale in a major way. And my name is Symphony, and I'm here to say I don't rap because that is ridiculous for me to do. But we are all here today with you to talk about Welcome to Night Vale because we love this show. We are in this show. We have become this show. It's deep inside of us. Mm-hmm. It's uh, deeply in us. Lodged. Wouldn't it be weird if like actual rappers it, had to start their raps that way? Yes, it would be great. My name's Cardi B and I'm here to say <laughs> I love nails in a crazy way. <laughs> <laughs> and then they could just go into their regular flow. I've discussed this before. There was a time in hip hop of civility where you had to announce your presence and state your intentions at the beginning mm-hmm. of every – if you listen to Apache by Sugar Hill Gang, that's basically all it is. It's just a series of introductions. Well, just talking about how, how cool you are, yeah. how you get the ladies. How you freak the mic. Yeah, and how your, your flow is so awesome, basically. Um, but we're not – Rap professional rappers. We are professional podcasters, and we're here to talk about episode 31. Yeah, episode 31. Uh, when did this come out in the world, episode 31? It was September 15th, 2013. Wow, those were the days. That's the day before my mom's birthday. Happy almost birthday. Evelyn. Five years ago, Evelyn. 
<laughs> That's what we were all doing. The air was full of excitement waiting for this episode and for the birthday of Evelyn Sanders. Um, and this is the episode. <laughs> Me and the corral I'm a part of, we were practicing Evelyn carols, and I just put up all the Evelyn decorations on the Evelyn tree. <laughs> exactly. You've done all your Evelyn shopping. Mm-hmm. You'd gone and sat on Evelyn's lap. In the mall. And asked her what she wanted for her birthday. It wasn't really Evelyn. It's just the, the mall Evelyn. Oh, you say that now. <laughs> at the time, it seemed real to me. Anyway, uh, this is the episode description. Um, there is a blinking light up on the mountain, which challenges our belief in mountains, plus a controversial new television show and a message from the faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home. Let's talk about it. I think we should. You guys. I'm into it. Mountains. We've talked about this a bunch of times before, and this is one of those things that you uh, we always get comments on if we happen to take a picture anywhere where there happen to be mountains. I guarantee you at least one person will comment, what are those things behind you? Those aren't real. And I'm like, man, it's a mountain. But in this in this world, mountains are not real. But in this episode, hey, crazy things are happening. Yeah, the crazy things are happening that we're really thrown for a loop with the whole title of the episode and the intro of the episode where mountains are existing and, yeah, all of those things. I feel like this episode kind of starts a string of episodes where plot becomes really important. Yeah. Like, it's almost like Joseph and Jeffrey just figured out what a plot is and how to do it. Um, <laughs> They, like, leveled up to plot, um, and so they're, like, they've got the mayoral thing happening. They've got, like, this the little the Cecil and Carlos relationship developments happening. They've got Man in the Tan Jacket developing. So, um, yeah, they're just kind of, like, really, like, throwing out their spidey web of plot, and, and they begin to start weaving it and connecting it through these next couple episodes. I also felt like, I don't know if, I don't know if either of you felt this way as well, and I'm going to find out because I'm here to get curious, is <laughs> that as soon as they introduced – first you introduce the light, and then it keeps – the joke is that it keeps building. I know we'll get into this a little bit more. Uh, there's the light, and now there's the the uh, the flooded plains, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the masked army. The masked army, yeah. But the more danger that gets introduced in a given episode, for me, just from what I've listened to – so far, just sort of coming into it, try to be like fresh ears. I, my immediate thought is, all right, how is this going to be? None of it seems like it's going to be an actual threat. So I'm looking forward to how how it's going to be explained away. Because it doesn't right. feel like it's never the, – the main thing is never really the main thing. It's something else that happens at this point. We've already established Glow Cloud, Dog Park. So, you know, we I think we've been in a run where the big thing that's happening – it's not really about the thing. It's about either what's happening collaterally or how it affects everything else. It's almost like a device to distract you while while the plot is kind of brought in. Did, did, did either of you feel that way? Oh, definitely. They, you know, there's always something where they explain it away. Like they say in this one, it's just a mirage at the end. And you're like, okay. And they've done that with a couple of other things. They're like, oh, no, that wasn't really what you – thought it was, it was something completely different or nothing at all, or you, it was just in your mind or like something like that. So this whole, like, uh, the big bad or potential big bad is never really that is never really what it says it is. There's always some underlying something else. 
But yeah, they even kind of start bringing in the Strix thing in the cold open when they talk about, you know, the the god of desert bluffs and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, huh. Hmm. Knowing what we know now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're starting. I never actually thought about the structure in that way before, that like the big, weird, big bad is kind of the smoke and mirrors to the plot that's happening underneath. I never thought of it from that structural structural angle before. But now that you say that, yeah, that totally makes sense that like there's this big flashy thing that that's weird and happening. Um, and then behind it, we're like the you know, we don't notice the chess pieces are moving. See, and that's what people come to us for. Hard hitting journalism journalism that's right we're pulling the cover off of this whole thing um so where i would like to go next is i would like to talk about ancient aliens Ooh, have you ever <laughs> wait have you ever seen that show no but i've just kind of seen the backlash about it where it was like come on guys like fuck off like it's not aliens these people were slaves like understand that like it was slave labor that built these weird things yeah, and, and math not, yeah uh, <laughs> like, I know you want to feel better about it, but it was slavery, not fucking aliens. And they're like, I don't know if it was aliens, but it was aliens. Make everybody make a note here mentally. Remember, both the three of us and people who are who are listening to this, wherever you are, thank you for listening, that eventually at some point we'll have Mark Gagliardi on, who is John Peters, you know, the farmer whose father is such an aficionado of ancient aliens that he came to Los Angeles once and went to an ancient aliens convention. Wait, what? I think he's, uh, this has been covered. We talked about this a little bit on, on, uh, we got this on the podcast Mark and I do, but I, I just remember, remember this. So when he's on the show that we ask him about ancient aliens, that is hilarious and i want to know more i've i feel like i've known mark for so long but i don't know him at all now (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a beautiful onion there's so many great layers to feel through when we were at dragon con symphony yeah weren't there people from an alien hunter show to our right at the walk of fame yeah like down in the like in the corner and they were on their phone the whole time of course, everybody there. If you want to see Eliza Dushku on her phone, come to a convention where she is set. Because she, like, you have to catch her when she's just done or just getting set up. The, the, like, so, seeing celebrity, somebody out there must have a blog or, or an account that's all just celebrities on their phones. And if not, do it and you will have a billion followers. But if you can get every different celebrity from anything, you can get them all on their phone just looking. And you, they can't all have something important to look at. I don't. I have something important to look at. It's called Instagram. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I want to. I'm curious. Um, is Mark Gagliardi's father that guy from the Ancient Aliens meme? The one whose hair's all weird and it's like the, <laughs> the caption is aliens. Is that is that Mark's dad? I I hope so, but I don't think. I think that guy's like the same age as Mark. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately not. Mark's dad is is an awesome dude, <laughs> but just the fact that. He loves ancient alien. People love that show. You watch it and you're like, this is insane. But people <laughs> love it. Like, I watched Alien Autopsy once years and years and years ago. Have you ever seen that? I didn't know that no. was a thing. Oh, yeah. It's like a show. It must have been on like A&E or something where they're like, we have footage of, of an alien autopsy. And then it's like a rubber alien suit being operated on. Like the the typical big head giant uh, with black the eyes. eyes, yeah, 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 with the eyes, um, doing like a, a Persian eye or whatever they call it. Uh, 
And then at the end, they're like, is this footage real? You decide. Uh, <laughs> and immediately I was like, no. No, it's not real. It's not real. It's a rubber chicken of alien. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> um, oh, the guy that you're talking about, Meg, his name is Giorgio <laughs> Saukalis. Thank you. T.S. Saukalis. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so his name is not Mr. Gagliardi. It is not um, <laughs> da- Dad Gagliardi, <laughs> which is what I think Mark's dad's name is. Dad. Yeah. Dad Gagliardi. <laughs> I hope D so. D apostrophe A-D Gagliardi. Yeah. I always feel like Ancient Aliens is, is like one of those shows that's always on in a hotel room. It it's is. It's like Ancient Aliens, Forensic Files, and House Hunters International. It's like the triumvirate of hotel room TV watching. <laughs> <laughs> It's quality programming. I watch two things, Sports Center and Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Yeah, DD&D is also a classic um, classic hotel room. Because they always have like a um, like a marathon of it on. There will be like yeah. 12 episodes in a row. And you're just like, well, I can't leave now. You're right. Once you sit down and start watching it, you're like, I don't even like this guy, but I'm going to keep watching it. I'm not mad at Guy Fieri. I'm not mad at him. I, I'm mad at the concept that he goes in and – is a health hazard in every kitchen he enters. But I, I really wish, why can't they show Good Eats in a marathon like that? I love Good Eats. Ugh. I love Good Eats, too. And I love Alton Brown. Shout out, Alton Brown. Here's the other thing yeah. with, with, with uh, the Triple D. I, I can't tell if there are 10 episodes or 10,000. There's no way to know. None of us know. Nobody knows. I don't think anybody knows how many episodes of that show exist. I've watched that show a bunch of times. And... I think I've only seen episode multiples like a couple of times. The rest of the time, it's like brand new to me. And I, I'm intently watching. It's not like I'm just it's like on in the background. Right. You're into yeah. it. I mean, how many, how many times can you watch someone put macaroni and cheese on a brisket burger? And it's new every time. <laughs> You're like, mm, that does sound good. I'm falling in love all over again. Um, you guys, speaking of falling in love, I this is one of my favorite characters in Sarah Sultan, the River Rock. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. She's the freaking best. I don't even know why Like I get so tickled by her. I think it's just because she's a fist-sized River Rock. Her and Larry Leroy, Larry Leroy, as I like to call him, um, yes. both of them, if I ever hear them mentioned in, a sh- in an episode, I'm like, here for it. You know what I mean? Um, And I also, you know, I I do know why I like her. I like her because she's kind of shady. She drew that mean picture of Cecil. That's right. I like that. Yeah, she's got she's got sass. Yeah, Sarah Sultan. She's got sass, and she's got a double S name, like me. (laughs) That's the real. That's the thing. Kindred spirit. Yes. (laughs) SS. Um. Here's something weird. That was weird. That whole thing. Like, they, here's something weird. And he couldn't really describe it. He's like, is it a bomb? Is it not a bomb? Is it a dog? It's just something weird. Right. But, like, I'm like, he says, here's something weird. And I just went, everything's weird. <laughs> I literally did a pfft, like P-F-F-F-T. I was like, pfft, whatever. Everything's weird. And then I was like, oh, he's describing a, not describing a, it's a something you can't, <laughs> you can't describe. But it's a thing. And it's weird. And it's vibrating. Why is everything vibrating? Why not? Well, you got me there. Touche, doctor. Um, I love the idea of something weird, and I want uh, people to cosplay something weird. I feel like there's so much room for 
imagination being something weird. But don't make us try. Don't make us guess. <laughs> no, please tell me because you're going to be like, guess. And I'm going to be like, and say something fucked up. And you're going to be like, that's really fucked up. And I'm going to be like, I'm so sorry. And then <laughs> um, you're going to feel like it's insincere, but it's not insincere. I'm just like really trying not to break face in the moment to show you that I have no idea what I'm doing or who I am. <laughs> And yes, I'll sign that for you. <laughs> um, so we have an ad for, well, it's not an ad. It's just like, well, the faceless old woman who lives in your home comes on and does her little pitch for mayor. And we get Mara, which we love. And I like that she changed all the books in your house. All the book jackets are the same, but the contents are different. Um, and then she also got a dig against Hiram. And I like that. Below the belt politics. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind when they play a little dirty, especially if it's true or called for in some way. Yeah, I feel like things are starting to heat up with the mayoral campaign with this episode. And then with the next episode, we're kind of getting our like mandatory broadcast platform pitch uh, from from both candidates. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it was feeling kind of like ringing oddly true to what's going on right now with us because like Elizabeth Warren just announced that she's forming an exploratory, you know, forming her exploratory committee to see if she, you know, to get ready to run in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, which by the time this episode airs, there'll be many more people who are probably having their exploratory committees to, to run in 2020 going on. So yes. we're kind of having this corollary to American politics right now with the Night Vale, Good Morning Night Vale politics. Including me, I am running for president in 2020. Oh, congratulations. You have my vote. I would literally never run for president. I have many too many skeletons in my closet. Yeah. Did you ever dance? Have you ever danced previously? Because apparently that's like a really scary one. Yeah, I actually dance all the time and there's plenty of videos of me doing it in all sorts of forms. I I danced the dance of many peoples. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. Hal, you were talking about running with Mal in 2020. Oh, yeah. Mal Blum. Hal yeah. and Mal. Bad for each other, good for America. Our, yeah, our <laughs> problem is because we're bad for each other, neither of us can decide who is the top liner of the ticket. I think that they should be top lining it, and they think that I should be top lining it. Oh, wow. Neither one of you are like, oh, I'm going to just take it upon myself. Just be like, yes, I am going to be the prez. I almost think that's better because we can just divide and conquer. I mean, I saw Vice. And outside of it just being making me angry for for two hours, uh, it really brought it to light. Like, we could just do it as a two-person job. Maybe there are things that they're better at than me and I would be better at than they are, and we could figure it out together. But I really want to see Mal in a debate so badly. I think it would be great. Mal is very smart. I think they would do well. Oh, my gosh. No question. I think they would do well as well. And – their speeches would just be their poems that they'd written. Yeah. That would be great. Uh, about be about ghost hunters. About ghost hunters. That's my favorite one. <laughs> That's literally my favorite one. Um, the ghost hunters poem oh, is God, beautiful. it's so good. It's so good. And about his tight t-shirt and she, he's like yelling at the ghost. Ugh, it cracks me up. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, hopefully uh, those of you who have gotten to see uh, Mel Blum open for Welcome to Night Vale have gotten to hear their Ghost Hunters poem. And maybe those of you who haven't are missing out in life and should actively seek out that content, although I'm not aware that it is published anywhere. So maybe just DM Mel Blum, be like, give me that Ghost Hunters poem. (laughs) Maybe we could have them on to read it. That would be good. Oh, that'd be awesome. 
Uh, actually, I did notice in this episode, I felt like there was a lot of poetic speech in this episode. Did you guys think that? I didn't notice it in particular, but yeah, it, it felt like it, I could kind of see some of the stamps of Joseph's writing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Joseph, who says that he wrote this at one o'clock in the morning in an hour. So there's that. So maybe that's kind of, you kind of get that, that late night, late night writing yeah. vibes where things get a little bit more flowery and. Yeah, I guess, I mean, that's what I just thought that it was very, like the language was just like, it was very descriptive and like, it was all like, it made me, I had to like really listen and think about it. Cause some episodes I feel like you can listen kind of and like, you know, put one earbud in and go about your daily business. But this one I really wanted to like, like intently listen to. And I just, I just equated that to the speech, but I think it it could have been the content too, I guess. (laughs) It's funny. You mentioned like, the idea that it was written in an hour, there are parts of it, that idea that it's that it's a developing story and something gets thrown off and like, oh, yeah, we added this. We forgot that. It's like you could just go back and and just build it. So it has that frenetic feeling to it, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I like about this episode, the way it kind of builds. Like, oh, I forgot to tell you about that. Oh, I forgot there's also an army. Oh, I forgot there's also that. Right. I like that running piece and it made me – that's those are the kind of hooks in an episode of anything that I kind of latch onto and want to see mm-hmm. what's next. So I like that. I like that game, and it would make sense that that would be something that would come from. It's just sort of it's that it's almost sort of occurring as 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 you go, and you're having one of those creative bursts where you're you're in a race to type as fast as you're thinking. Yeah. Even when he's like, like when he's talking about the light and like the red light and like turning everything red and all that, like that visual in my mind was just like so very strong. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like, I like those. And then, yeah, like you said, how the building, when he's like, and the mountains and that the floodplain that was never there and the massed army that's on the floodplain and, you know, they're, are they growing ever bigger or like whatever? I just, I just thought that was really neat. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, it is a fun game um, that that's happening where it's like it's yeah, it's kind of uh, you're getting the information as you need it and the, you're building the road as you're as you're driving down it. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite bits that I underlined um, was Madeline Lafleur, who's freaking out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, it's described as she, she says a line and then uh, it's described as before taking more sips of her coffee than she needed to in a given span of time, because frequency of sips was something under her control and her life was not. Mm. Um, and then there's some more follow up later where she's like, she's all she's, like things have kind of resolved and she's still sipping things. Quickly. Yeah. I, I wrote, wow, they got deep with Madeline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, then, then we get to the part where things are resolved, and Madeline Fleur says was uh, she was both relieved and ple- pleased, um, and she was still sipping her coffee too often. Too often, perhaps her feeling of lack of control stems from a personal issue rather than the impending doom we all imagined. Right. I'm like, I just like had such a I relate to you, Madeline moment where I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's such a that for me that like t- that very much rings true. There's lots of uh, things I do that are like maybe a little bit compulsive because there's something I have control over mm-hmm. um, in situations where I, uh, I'm feeling overwhelmed by having a lack of control. 
Um, and that some, and that even when the thing that I didn't have control over resolves, I still have the compulsion. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that. Uh, you know, it's like we'll have like coping mechanisms that we that we have to, to deal with stress or whatever, because that's the only thing that we can control. You know, like you know, even when the danger has passed by or the the anxiety has passed along, you're still doing that thing because that's the only way that you can make it through the day. And uh, I think a lot of us feel that way. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, lo- I love that, you know, right before the weather, that idea of I'm going to control the one thing that I can control. And right. sometimes sometimes that's a good thing to realize. It's a good thing to realize the things that are out of your control to, and to accept that as opposed to – I think sometimes it can be unhealthy. It can be the, like, I'm just going to drink too much coffee because – I can't deal with anything and I and you're not you're you're unconsciously doing it. But I think mm. when you're conscious about it it can be kind of healthy to realize yeah. like hey, I'm I'm doing this. This I have control over and I'm willing to let go of the things that I do not have control over or to to accept them at least. Yeah, it's I I was thinking about like there's times in your life where you're like everything is fucking falling apart. Everything is falling apart. Like I thought I I was doing okay. And then like one thing will happen and it'll be a big catastrophe. Like maybe it'll be a health thing. Maybe it's something with your family. Maybe it's with your job. Maybe it's with your significant other. And like everything is just fucking falling apart. And you're like, well, I can't fall apart right now. I have to keep moving forward. So if I just keep, if I just make my coffee, I know I can do that. I know I can make coffee. I know I can sit here and sip it. I know I can do that. You know, it helps to, it's a soothing thing for you. It can be, um, as long as it's not like a dangerous thing, right. To yourself or others, you know, then I I don't necessarily see the harm in it. And I like to do things like that when I feel like things are happening outside of my control. I'm like, well, I'm just going to do the things I can do because time is going to keep moving forward and things aren't going to stop just because I'm having a fucked up day or week or month or whatever. Yeah, all of those things. I uh, I think that that type of character description, the way that the Madeline Lafleur is being written about, is one of those. It's one of those great pieces of of technical writing because the, you're learning so much about this character in just a few words mm. by saying something that is universal to a lot of people, but so specific for this character mm. because it is specific. It becomes universal and it's a piece of character development that you, you're kind of given to this metal in the floor is not a huge character, but she's like, you kind of, the picture is painted of her mm-hmm. in so much detail so quickly because of the specificity of the description that is universal to this experience that we have of coping mechanisms and dealing with things that are using, using our own control to deal with things that are out of control. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes a good character description is, is kind of a connect the dots where you see enough of the picture before you even start on it, that you can form, you can form a valid idea in your mind of what that object is or what that person is Mm -hmm. without having to, you don't even have to connect the dots that are laid out for you. You can just, you know, decide we we could have two completely different ideas of what Madeline Lafleur looks like and what the rest of her life is, but they're both born out of a very concrete description. So we each have a very fully formed idea of who she is. So I I agree with you. I love that. I think that's a really clever piece of writing. So Carlos is letting science take a little bit of a backseat 
so that he can prepare dinner for Cecil. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the past, maybe he has let his work become maybe the number one priority. And Cecil is, is now asking for a little piece of priority from Carlos. Uh, I thought that was a nice detail. Again, it was one of those kind of subtle, specific, advance the plot of their romance forward without being like, and he made him this beautiful dinner and it meant all of this and it did all of that. Like mm-hmm. it really is just like the little, the little tiny brushstroke that, that shows us where they are without having to uh, take us out of the world of the episode. Yes, 100%. It, fit, it fits in the flow. It's not wedged in. Nothing feels wedged yeah. in in this episode, uh, which is really good. What do you think he made for him? I was just thinking about that because he is waving around a spatula. So I'm Mm. like, okay, so it's something that requires a spatula. I'm going to say like a fish or something. Mm, Like what? It's a fish spatula. Paisaia? I wonder what the seafood in Night Vale is like. (laughs) Oh, still alive? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It eats you. Right. What, What do you think he made? He made him a, a tray of eggplant parm and a tray of chicken parm and a tray of veal parm <laughs> and some 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 ravioli and some gabagool, <laughs> a little stuffed shell, a little menagot. What, if people come over, what do you want them to do, starve? What, they're going to come all the way to your house and not going to feed them? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's adorable, and it does give us that nice little look into their lives. Um, and uh, Carlos just like offhandedly is like, well, no, it's fine. He's like, I've seen that before. It's like no big deal. And then all is well. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's really, it's, it's not really a huge deal at all. It's like, it's very, it's very common. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. And a mirage that everyone sees the exact same things. That's not how mirages work, but okay. But he's right. Yeah. But the masked army is real. Oh, yeah, the masked sure. army is real. The, the scariest thing is real. <laughs> also, what kind of... But they're not coming for you. What kind of masks do you think they're wearing? Jim Carrey's mask from The Mask. <laughs> which was just his face painted green with an, a big chin. Like, which I think is the... Worst. Somebody stop them. <laughs> yeah, somebody should have stopped that movie, but okay. Do you think they're all in yellow zoot suits with the hat? That would be terrifying because one is, be really terrifying. one is like embarrassingly 90s and two or more is terrifying. <laughs> Especially when they all uh, yell their battle cry together when they gather on the crest and go, smoking! <laughs> no. <they> <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. See, this is what I'm going to have nightmares about tonight is like hundreds of them in the streets like smiling that horrifying smile with that hat. And those big black teeth. <laughs> I'm a mask in the sheets and a dumb and dumber in the sheets. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, everyone. Hal has been fired just now. <laughs> uh, you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> welcome to Hal's last day. Yeah. I packed all my, all my podcast ideas up in a box and I'm walking out. <laughs> and the security is just here mm. hanging out because we're friends. They don't have to accompany me out anyway. Yeah. I've been kicked out of nicer places than this. Um, it makes me want to do it and get fired, too. I am a once bitten in the streets and eternal sunshine at the spotless mine in the sheets. <laughs> Has anyone seen Once Bitten? Yes. Yes, <laughs> I've definitely seen yeah. that. No, I've definitely seen that. He was young in that one. It was his first movie, I think. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Okay, um, I'm, 
Um, okay. No. Oh, can can I? Oh, shoot. It's movies, right? We're going to do movies? Is this movies? You yeah. could do it. You could do TV. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in living color in the streets and pet detective in the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do uh, one more? Yes. You do one more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Before we're all I'm fired. A, I'm a uh, I'm a doing time on Maple Drive in the streets. Wow. And a Peggy Sue got married in the sheets. Oh, oh. deep cut. Deep cut. <laughs> That's right. Peggy Sue got married is such a Night Vale episode. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I feel like I could watch that movie a few times. I've seen it already a few times. And I could watch it a few times more. It's on TV a lot. It's like one of those, oh, it's Saturday. What's on TV? Oh, Peggy Sue Got Married is on TNT. Yeah. You know, I don't have TV. I only watch TV when we're at the hotel. Yeah, I don't have TV either. But I was thinking about, like, going to my parents' house. Oh, yeah, my parents. They, they, they all have, have the TV. And a damn landline, my parents. My parents have a landline that they don't answer. But when it rings, the number comes up on the TV, which is the most boomer <laughs> shit you possibly can <laughs> <laughs> Up next, we hear from fans and friends of the podcast about their theories, comments, and questions. But first, a conversation about this episode's weather. This episode's weather was Never Be Famous by Hustlonia. First of all, best title. Now I declare this one best, best title. I think somebody else, I thought that was, oh, team best team. I thought that one was a good one. But Never Be Famous, I like this one too. And Hustlonia, what a great band name. And this song yeah. slaps. Does Hustlonia feels like a nickname that you make up like in the moment, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just like hey, get on over here, give 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 that Hustlonia. There you go. Hundred <laughs> percent. It sounds like a song that like the guys who did like Andre Three Thousand and Big Boy Outcast. Yeah, Hustlonia just sounds like oh, Castankonia. Maybe that's why I associated it. But I'm like, it sounds like the next album. Yeah, this song's fun. Enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a bopper. How? You liked it? You really yeah, liked I it? Yeah, I like the song sometimes. I just have a general... Som- the- Hal just doesn't like music or fun. Yeah. Or ha- our happiness. I'm a real drip. <laughs> I wanted to tell you. What's an interesting expression, drip? There's drip and then there's wet blanket, which are the same, like similar things. It drips, it drips on, and then you get the wet blanket. Uh, I wish I could be a wet blanket. You aspire to be a wet blanket. Yeah. Yeah. I aspire to be a wet blanket. And then I, in my later years, I'd really like to transition into being a stick in the mud. Okay. Yeah, you need a lot more drip for that because you got to make mud out of dirt and then put a stick in it. More dripping for the grippin's what we say. That's exactly what you say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Hustleoni. Hustleoni is a guy. He's one guy. Oh, really? And he has many different musicians that he has collaborated with over his long and illustrious career. So he's um, he's a prolific, prolific multi-instrumentalist. And uh, yeah, he has done many, many albums with many different artists. He uh, doesn't really tour or perform live at all. He much prefers creating music in his world uh, and and not going out on the road with it, which I admire. <laughs> uh, yeah, I admire that, which is interesting because he has this, this song is called Never Be Famous. Um, and it's like, well, if you don't go out and tour it, it's not going to happen for you. But you do have this, uh, this following for the work that you create from the comfort of your home in Buffalo, New York. Oh, he's from Buffalo, huh? Oh. He's from Buffalo. Dang. Yeah. I know a lot of nice people from Buffalo. None of them live there anymore, but 
And they've got those wings. Which are fine. Yeah, they're they're fine. I've had better other places, but it was good. Maybe I haven't had the best ones. Hey, Buffalonians, if that's what you call yourselves, uh, tell us the best wings. And none of this bullcrap, basic Yelp, one that I can find on a Yelp. What's the best ones? And don't say your house either, because I'm not coming there. I'm coming there. I'm coming to your house. Yeah, I'm already there. I'm not going to eat the wings. (laughs) House at your back door. Yeah, let me in. And I'm at your front door. And Symphony is at her home. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no way out. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's Hustlonia. Do we think it's time to uh, open up that oven, put on the oven mitts and pull that, that piping hot calzone fan zone out of the oven? Ooh, yeah. So. Yum. Cheesy. Please. I recently decided to add another Patreon tier because all the Patreon tiers are like things associated with calzones. And I couldn't think of anything else to add to a tier, but I wanted to put another price point in. Mm-hmm. So I just said, it's the same as the above with a side of marinara. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> if you just, if you want a side of hot marinara, then I will, I will mail that to you. Wait, you're really going to mail them marinara sauce? No. Oh. Well, maybe. Maybe somebody is going to be expecting that. I think if you donate at that tier, um, that know that one day when you least expect it, I will arrive with a quarter cup of hot marinara. <laughs> Throw it in cup. your face. Yeah. <laughs> Blinding you. And that's how we take it. That's how we take control of the whole situation. Hot marinara. Patreon.com slash good morning night <laughs> Let us throw sauce in your face. <laughs> Stay right there. Good Morning Night Vale will return after a brief break. Do you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do? Having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep? Let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness, then you just put a few drops of feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash good morning. That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code GOODMORNING at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum free. So you're not gonna be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're gonna have to find another way to die. 
And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code GOODMORNING, and don't smell like George Washington. Gwen writes, I know I missed the phone call, but I think there is still so much that can be said about Carlos in the episodes between 25 and 35. And like, even before we come to understand more about his character, which is very much helped by condos, I think so much of his character really came to life. In the episode one year later is an obvious one. We're beginning to see who Carlos is, and that is the beginning of a character who is just so wonderful. Most notably, not perfect, not at all. The episode that really makes this clear the most to me is the blinking light up on the mountain. I think the idea that Carlos was very invested and focused on his work was there. And for a while, that was something we admired, but we weren't aware that was a part of him that might interfere with the personal things in his life. Again, pre-condos, we didn't have that hugely important point about people being imperfect, but we're getting a sense that of that once Cecil and Carlos started dating. Carlos gets distracted by his work and isn't the best at prioritizing, but we don't hate him for that. Not at all. We just understand that's part of his personality and he's working on it and that's okay. We start to see him more and more that he isn't perfect and that this perception of Carlos being perfect starts to melt away. Yeah, I think that makes an interest that uh, Gwyn makes an interesting point there about the evolution of Carlos's character going from this perfect teeth, military cemetery, brilliant scientist to a person who is a person who has uh, flaws and quirks and little little bits about him that are that are kind of coming into light as we get into the meat of these episodes, which yeah, we start stopping seeing uh, Cecil, we stop seeing Carlos from Cecil's eyes as this perfect thing, and then start to get to see him as the person which I think is normal when as relationships develop. And it makes them more, less one-sided. Do you know what I mean? Like it's instead of him just being this idyllic person who's up on a pedestal, he becomes more of a real fleshed out character. Yeah. Perfect characters are boring. Yeah, totally. They're super boring, it, but it's, but I think it's extremely interesting to have a character that you believe is perfect and then have them peeled, have the layers peeled back to find, the imperfections, which don't have to, you know, there's nothing about Carlos that is bad. Right. But it's just, hey, you, you know, the the things that seem cute on the outside of a relationship sometimes become like, hey, you need to make more time for me or there, I need something different. Um, or even you discover things that maybe were just hinted at when you didn't know a person as well. And that's that's a normal part of growing. And it's it's a way more interesting character progression. Yeah, I've, I, I agree. Because you know what? imperfection, there's nothing wrong with that. And that can actually deepen a uh, friendship relationship, you know, romantic relationships. Um, when you hold someone up to this level of being, or like, we only see this one side of them, it's not going to really give us the full depth of that person or that relationship. So mm-hmm. thanks, Gwen. Next, Abby writes, hi, Meg Hallen Symphony. Hey, Abby. My husband and I are huge Night Vale fans. We were able to see the live show in October in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, yeah, that was fun. We just got a sweet new little kitten and named him Cecil after our favorite radio host. Photo is attached for cuteness. Oh, he is so cute. Oh, that is a cute Oh, my God. I want to touch his belly. I want to touch that belly. Okay, anyways, 
We love Welcome to Night Vale and have re-listened a zillion times. We text each other theories and listen to Good Morning Night Vale while we fold, close, or cook. Night Vale is an awesome part of our lives. Guys and ladies are awesome. Oh, there wasn't a question. It's just a nice thing. No, this <laughs> is a really nice thing. It was a good picture of a cat. It's really nice. I it would you be know nice. what? I think that's valid. And thank you. I will. I will. We will accept all those things and your cat's love and cuteness. And may I point out that is a very nice engagement ring. That is nice. So well done, Abby's husband. Or maybe Abby. I don't know. I bought my own ring. There you go. Uh, I'd like to describe the cat for our listening audience. Please. It's a baby cat. <laughs> um, it's a baby cat. Small. Um, spelled S M O L. Yeah. It's got little little, little feet. Um, I believe it's a Siamese kitten. Yeah. I had to to wager a guess about the the heritage. Um, it's got little blue eyes and little tiny face. Ugh, so freaking cute. And the name's Cecil. It's a baby Cecil cat. Oh. I have to send it to CC. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how many cats out there are named Cecil. I wonder how many children. Oh, yeah, now. Because Cecil was always, yeah. like, so upset. You think there was a Cecil boom? Like a baby boom? Like a Night Vale baby boom? One day, Cecil's going to be able to walk into a store on the boardwalk and see his name on a miniature license plate. Which he's never been able to find. He, he never finds those anywhere. I can relate to that. I mean, because, you know. Same. No, yeah. People don't, because they don't use our names anymore. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, my name never, because I'm the first and only. <laughs> there's there, I, there's a lot of Megan there's a lot of Megan shit out in the world but then again no one's naming their cat Meg no one's like I got this adorable cat let me name it Meg they're just naming giant sharks after you yeah <laughs> that's cool that's cool too um yeah. that was oh you know what that was one thing that we didn't mention in the episode um I thought it was funny I was like should you have kids lol <laughs> Because he's talking about how, like, uh, bringing kids into the world. They were talking about bringing kids into the world. I thought that was funny. Anyways. <laughs> well, uh, I, have a, I have a message here from Kevin. Kevin writes, here's the subject. Get ready. Because we've discussed this in depth, and now it's finally happening. Mm-hmm. The subject is, hi, from a millennial Freemason. Woo! <clears throat> hem, hem, hem. Dear Symphony House, I already coughed. I blew my nose. Don't you dare edit this out. I want, I want the raw. I do cough. I'm like Carlos. I'm not perfect, but I'm damn close. Dear Symphony, Hal, Meg, and the entire Night Vale crew, greetings from a Freemason who's also a millennial. You can't even with the secrets. I've been a fan of Welcome to Night Vale since before the sandstorm and have thoroughly enjoyed listening to your show and reminiscing about the early years. I was particularly excited about this episode as I wanted to hear your theories about Masons. I became a Mason for the same reason I love Night Vale. I'm fascinated by our... Oh, hold on. Wait, Wait a minute. Hold on. We're talking about the Freemasons and somebody called the house? Hold on. <laughs> Palace landline is ringing. It's ringing. I don't know this number. Is it a Freemason? Are these the Freemasons? <gasps> Did you answer it like that? Yeah. Hello? This is Alice, a professional fundraiser working for AP Services, calling on behalf of the United Breast Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was a charity call. Let me, let me get back to where I was. Oh, my what goodness. Just- I'm fascinated by arcane, forbidden knowledge of bizarre rituals that only make sense to the practitioners. And calling me? Freemasons? A step too far. And while there's some of that in Freemasonry, especially if you dig into the late 19th and early 20th century mystic masons like Edward Arthur, like, 
Like Arthur Edward Waite, the co-creator of the classic Raider Waite tarot deck. Really? Oh. It turns out it's really just a social club with a proud tradition of philanthropy that stretches back centuries. Mm -hmm. We have secrets, but they're mostly how to identify one another. No shadow governments, no paramilitary organizations, no secret chambers in the Washington Monument. Or so the Grand Master would have you believe in a bunch of weird text. Mm, is this a joke or is this a secret message? There's always truth in, in you joking in, in earnest. Who knows? For the record, Shriners are in fact a part of the greater Masonic family, and no one is a Shriner who isn't a, first a Mason. Looking forward to seeing you all in Portland. Wait, am I going to Portland? Nobody told me I was going to Portland. What is this? <laughs> what? What is, th- what is this? Listen to me. Hey, 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 Kevin, listen. Am I going to Portland? Are you going to put a bag on my head when I'm getting my mail, take me to Portland, and make me ride a bicycle everywhere? Is that what this is about? Is that how you Masons get your jollies? Thank you for writing in. (laughs) Meg, I'm actually going to send you, because from our Facebook page, I also got a message from another Mason. Oh, I saw that. I got that. Okay. Yes, I did. Okay. It was very long, but it was very nice. (laughs) I was like, oh, Okay. Yes, he emailed, he messaged the Facebook, he sent it to the Good Morning Night Vale email, and he sent it to the Welcome to Night Vale email. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. Very much. I saw it on Facebook. Some of this seemed familiar. Uh, not this guy. This is a different guy. Somebody else? There's another Mason that messaged me as well. There was mm-hmm. the one who sent me the information about the Masonic funeral. Ooh. So, uh, There's lots of Masons out there that listen to our show, and I like it. I had a note slipped under my door with the Masonic symbol on it that just said, quit it. I don't know if that's related to these two. Who knows? Emma writes to us in response to our Faceless Old Woman episode. Emma says, I think there's some truth to what Mara said about welfare states liking the idea of the Faceless Old Woman more than Hiram as an authoritarian figure. I come from Sweden, although currently I live in Norway now. As I've said, she is one of my favorite characters. Other friends of mine that listen to the podcast and those I have recruited to listen to it agree with me that she was the way better candidate. I mean, the secret police is keeping tabs on everyone's conversation anyways, so it's not like the people of Night Vale have any privacy to begin with. I feel like having a mayor that knows exactly what people are doing can understand what people need and what to improve. Emma. I think you're right, Emma, because, yeah, there's so much surveillance anyway. So, like, why not have a person who's surveilling you who is actually, like, decent, you know? And I'm really excited that we have fans in the Scandinavian region. That makes me really excited. I love Sweden. I've never been to Norway, but I ha- I do love Sweden. And your fika. <laughs> I really want to visit Scandinavia so mu- so badly, and I've never been. Meg likes the nasty candy. I do. I like the nasty candy. I like everything. I like everything everywhere all the time. But uh, <laughs> no, I do specifically like Scandinavia. Um, it's a really wonderful culture. It's a culture that mm-hmm. feels like very conducive to celebrating happiness and human life and, uh, and the earth. And it, yeah, I just, it's just such a beautiful, efficient time. I love it. Mm. Thanks, Emma. Next, Ella writes, hi, I'm a person. It would be at least mildly concerning if I wasn't. I really enjoy the show, and you are all amazing human beings. I don't have a question or a theory or anything. I have a suggestion. My suggestion is to listen to Welcome to Night Vale while stargazing, or while looking at the ceiling and pretending that you can see the night sky. Exceedingly warm regards, Ella. Oh, that sounds nice, Ella. And um, I 
I love stargazing. I'm a used to be like a junior astronomer. I found that very interesting. So I think it would be nice to listen to Night Vale while looking at the stars and the night sky. I do too. I want to put a challenge out there to everybody who is listening. If you are on Twitter.com, the website, post a tweet, as they call it, and tell us where you like to listen. And then include the hashtag, how I listen. Oh, that's cool. And it could be like, while well, taking a schwitz. It could be <laughs> during during a spaghetti dinner. It could be... Uh, on a boat. Stargazing <laughs> on a boat with a goat. I'm doing a great job. But t- let us know. We want to know. For goodness sakes. Tell us already. Please. Please, Kevin, am I going to Portland? Tell me. Tell Just us tell about me if I'm going. Hashtag how you listen. Yeah, please. We want to know. Joanna writes, hello, everyone. I have a theory that expands upon the existing theory that Night Vale exists all in Cecil's head. I think that Cecil is suffering from delusions so badly that he's been institutionalized into a mental care facility, and all the named characters in Night Vale are either other patients or members of Cecil's care team. I have my own theories of who is a patient and who is staff, but I want to leave it open for you to draw your own conclusions. My question for you all is, what is your favorite kind of apocalypse and your survival plan for said apocalypse? Boy, that was not connected at all. I thought for sure we were going to get a connection, but we didn't. Um, thank you all for such an amazing show. I listen all the time in my life of constant commuting. So there you go. There's an answer right there. It would be in the car or while commuting. Hashtag how I listen. Much love, Joanna, heart emoji. But it's the sideways carrot with a three because there's no emoji in this doc we're reading. Thank you, Joanna. All right. Favorite kind of apocalypse and your survival plan for said apocalypse. Symphony. Zombie apocalypse. I need a bat and a bicycle and medical supplies, fresh water, and food. I would find a place. I would bike because it's the one of the most efficient ways uh, to get around without needing any sort of other propulsion. Find, and I would go north and find a relatively secluded place where I could set up shop that I would also be able to do farming indoors hydroponically or outdoors on a roof. All right. And I would live. I would live my days and burn the zombies in the pit of fire below. Solid plan, Meg. Um, I'm going to go with the fall of capitalism, and <laughs> I am going to go with my plan being kindness, empathy, and sharing my hoard of tasty cake. Oh, very good. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, rapid heating of the environment so the polar ice caps melt very quickly, and uh, surfing. Great. So that is it for the this Calzone, Fanzone Calzone. That is it for this week. We thank you. Uh, extra thanks if you are a supporter on Patreon. Do we know the names of some of the people who are supporting us on Patreon? Yeah. I saw them and I say them in the credits. Okay. Uh, you're going to hear your names, some of you, in the credits. Do you want to hear your names in the credits? Go to patreon.com forward slash goodmorningnightvale. Become a patron. We would appreciate it so much. And you'll get some bonus content, including my wife talking about me eating an apple pie in Oceana (laughs) in the shower. Anyway, next week we'll be covering episode 32, Yellow Helicopters. That is it for now. So good morning, Night Vale. Good morning. Good morning. 
Good Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lovelin, and Meg Bashwinner. It is edited by Grant Stewart. It is mixed by Vincent Cascione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our fans who submitted their thoughts this week. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to arrange a meet and greet for me with a local whale or pod of whales. This show is powered by our patrons like Captain Shay Shay, James Lee, Chantel Jones, Catherine Myers, and Richard Young. If you are interested in supporting the show in exchange for lots of fun, exclusive, hyper cool kid content, check us out at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's adverb is urgently. I urgently need you to stop what you're doing and chill the F out, unless it's operating heavy machinery. Then go ahead and keep that focus up. Uh, hey, everybody, this is Drew. I make a Sleep With Me podcast. It's a bedtime story podcast here at Night Vale Presents. And I just want to tell you about the show. It's a podcast to help you fall asleep, uh, just like somebody having a friend over to tell you a, a lulling, soothing, strange, meandering bedtime story. But I also want you to know the reason I make the show is because I know how it feels uh, not to be able to sleep. And it's really important to me uh, to, to try to bring some levity and comfort uh, to the deep, dark night. So if you know how it feels uh, when you can't fall asleep, if you're tossing and turning and you're looking for something to take your mind off of that, uh, just open up your podcast app and search for Sleep With Me uh, and give it a listen. Thanks. From P-